0: Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D Podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and hard your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwick,
1: And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwick and a Dungeon Master myself. And today, we're here to talk to you about werewolves! So, obviously, werewolves are an iconic Dungeons & Dragons creature, and just mythological creature in general. Unfortunately, the standard fifth edition werewolf? Not super interesting. So with that in mind, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to actually call in some help. For the first time in Riffs and Rules history, we're going to have a guest co-host. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, the Dungeon Master of the Dungeons and Randomness podcast, author of The Adventurer's Guide to Theria, Volume 1, Alara, Jason
2: Massey. Hi. I, um, I play D&D for a living, and I, I, I sometimes write stuff. Sometimes write stuff. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, how many notebooks do you have? How many sticky notes? And oh, yeah, a published
2: book now. It's 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 really weird. I don't it doesn't feel real to me yet. And I don't know. I thought it would. There were little like milestones and stuff where I thought it would feel real and it hasn't yet. But um one, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: I mean, yeah, this is awesome to have you on for our hundredth episode is quite the coup, both in terms of episodes and just getting you to join us. So while we could just honestly spend the time just chatting to you about D&D in general, uh, we do try to focus on topic. We will inevitably tangent, but we'll at least try to stay on topic. So I'm just going to do a real quick go through of the quote unquote standard fifth edition werewolf, but then we're just going to move on to what's honestly more interesting, which is just implementation of werewolves and in particular werewolves in Theria. So the normal werewolf It just is a creature that just can bite people, claw people. It does have a multi-attack. The only thing that really does make a typical werewolf difficult in terms of just adventuring parties is the fact that they have a complete immunity to any bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that is from non-magical attacks that isn't silvered. So any non-magical weapons just flat out do not hurt them. What is distinctly missing from the typical werewolf is every fucking thing else. It does not have the, you know, mythological regeneration. It does not have anything about actually losing control if it were to affect a player. It does not have pretty much anything else. It is just... A thing that lets you transform into this wolf or hybrid form and back. You have total control. There is no downside to a typical werewolf. Like, yeah, it's a contagious disease, whoop de doo, but there's nothing interesting about the standard werewolf. And the reason that a werewolf is supposed to be such a scary creature, mythologically speaking, is that. There is the terror in two different factors with a werewolf. There is just this feral, mindless monster. In addition, there is the fact that it is a person who can become this monstrous creature either at the full moon or under certain triggers. The typical 5e werewolf has absolutely none of that. It is under control. They can just shift. As an action and just do it. Great. So, honestly, I don't even want to really say any more on the subject because it's just less interesting. So, tangenting over to Theria, one of the most important factors that makes Theria such an interesting place for all of us who listen to the Dungeons and Randomness podcast is the fact that, as you, Jason, so often say yourself, let me paint you a picture. You do a fantastic job at describing the what, the smells, the sounds, the feel of the things going on. And werewolves are one of the most iconic creatures in Theria, for good reason. So while I could absolutely just do the rambling on about Therian werewolves myself, that would rather defeat the purpose of having you on here. So tell us about werewolves in Theria.
2: First of all, wouldn't that be a fantastic gag though? Like you you have me on there's this big and then I don't speak another <laughs> word for the next hour. <laughs> it's that just would be an intro cameo. Oh, uh, what a big fuck you to the audience. That would be amazing. It's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of a, Oh man, I'm slightly distant, you like to use, can can it's too go- late to go back. It's too late to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, so not to, not to bring it back to 5 e um or even 4E, but that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, like you go to reach for what's familiar, right? Because it's like, well, I'm not super, uh, you know, knowledgeable about the rule set yet when you pick it up. But it's like, okay, I know what a vampire is, I know what a kobold is, I know what you know, I, I and bandits, all that stuff. And I go to reach for a werewolf, and I was kind of, I was kind of shocked by it, just because they seem so civil. Like they they use weapons, they can communicate with one another. They almost have like communities, like. It's so strange to me. Um and I never saw the draw in a werewolf being able to change into a wolf. Like I get the Hulk thing of there's this struggle within, and you you know, that's that's the thing I wanted to emulate with the therian werewolves. Like there's there's this there's this loss of control and you're you know, you're you, but if you know, like thinking about it from this very human perspective of just losing control of your emotions and your grip. And then you become more of a liability to those you love and care about than is sane for them to continue to love and care about you and not kill you. I I, I love that whole weighty perspective. I, I enjoy it. And I, I kind of thought that was just missing with those werewolves. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know that, that, that role play aspect that, that, that the feelings weren't there, I guess is the the short of it. And I started messing with it from there just because I I don't always know what is best. I mean, you try your best, but I know what feels right and that didn't feel right to me. Um where as like vampires I feel like are pretty that's pretty close to both the mythos we all know and that feeling, right? Vampires feel like vampires in D&D. I feel like I don't I don't know how you guys feel. For the most part, it's just interesting to always think
1: about when we do have all these mythological creatures, vampires, werewolves and such, it's from the mortal perspective of I'm just, a you know, a commoner. I have, you know, yeah. if I were a DD and d person, I would have, you know, maybe two hit points if I'm lucky because I don't have the best constitution. Yeah. So <laughs> so if there were any creature like this, it would just be just meaty salsa on the ground when they're done with me, or I guess just drink Capri Sun in the case of a vampire. But but in a DD d world, these creatures are just a monster amidst a far more powerful population. And yeah. what is so well done about a Therian werewolf is that honestly, it doesn't matter how powerful a group is. Werewolves are fucking dangerous. Therian werewolves are often used in parallel with the word blender for a very good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Because they fucking are. Like the fact that, you know, a werewolf is a bestial creature, but is still a clever predator, is something that is super well emphasized throughout the history of the show. And we constantly see just that they are these dangerous things. And the fact that you did create the mechanics of werewolves, that there are different levels of werewolves so that a stronger person becomes a stronger wolf, which makes sense.
0: I, I do have to say that um, when Jason uh, made the werewolves, I, and, and you were talking about the whole feeling of it, right? I think that's really what very often get something uh, that is homebrewed and made reach that next level. Because if you can basically achieve what you're trying to express in that feeling of how this is supposed to fail to the players, it really just elevates it above what typically it would be just another monster that the players come across.
2: Right. And it's there's always a weird line to walk because, you know, there's the rule set. D&D is basically two games. Um, and that's the, we're we're working on a project um, now and one of the one of the things that we came to 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 really vocalize all of us at once was D's two games it is a combat game um, and a role play game those two very rarely meld very well because you can have all the role play in the world but then when you're in combat those those there are hardcore rules for everything so even if it Feels right. There may be a mechanic to stop that, or to you know, and that's where a DM comes in and all that. But with werewolves specifically, I feel like um, when the first party, which I believe was group two, um, but when the first party came across werewolves, and I think they walked into this issue and just like, yeah, I I know what a werewolf is. I know what to expect. And um, Lockford, the town was was kind of it's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, they just don't, just don't. And I, there was kind of a hubris. With the group at the time. Um, and I think that disappeared very quickly. When you get, I think that was the first time in the show we had a situation um, where the group had to run. They had no choice. And that was after several people died. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, it was a mess. And it, it was, I think it was a first real humbling taste of defeat. Like it was, it's like, oh, this world, it, it doesn't cater itself to you to make you feel better. There, there are things that you will be able to deal with handily. And then there are things like that, where even you know, like Remy was saying, even if you have a well outfitted team of experienced adventurers, if you're not ready for this and you get careless, you could get ripped apart.
1: Yeah, not to mention just quick tangent from werewolves, but just that that whole encounter led to one of the classic DNR episodes, the talk in the mm-hmm. immediate aftermath. Yep. The fact that even if you do have these powerful creatures out there, that you can use that as an avenue to blend the two game types, as you were saying, to actually use the aftermath of the combat to get that talky bit resolution in the aftermath to get the character perspectives on their thoughts and feelings of the horrible things that have just gone down.
3: Yeah.
2: And I again, I think it's because of the weight that everything that happened up to there, that that conversation meant so much because it it was Two characters who, up until that point, I feel had had done incredibly well in the world. And I feel like that, like, God, I wouldn't even call it like a stumbling block or something. Like, people died, like a lot of people. And I think that, yeah, yeah. so it was, it changed the way they played those characters for the rest of the campaign. Because if you notice, those characters became a lot more careful and a lot more tactical and a lot more, like, Group 2 became a completely different beast after that. And some Mm -hmm. of that's down to, you know, new players coming in. But I think a lot of that, like... There was a trickle down from from um, James and Jamie. Like there's a trickle down all the way down of like they're a SWAT team now. They very much <laughs> handle things um, tactically. Yeah, just
1: planning, control, you know, status effects. Oh, the 4E status effects.
2: <laughs> oh, how I don't miss thee. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, man. That, yeah, that was a time. That was a time to play D&D.
2: Man, those seven hour combats
1: uh ooh yeah <laughs> <sighs> but yeah the point being though in combat with aetherian werewolf i mean actually before combat even even if you know they're there like you always are very careful to Let me paint you a picture, and you set the mood to describe these mist-filled woods in the silver glade, and to describe that you might hear a howl off in the distance, but then you have three werewolves attack from the other side, and to use hunter tactics with these, you know, quote monsters, and from like the mechanics and storytelling side, you do really well at. Doing your best to blend those together more, to have it be everything at once, to have that tense reaction even in the midst of
2: just you know the numbers combat back and forth that is dandy combat. Thank you, that's very very kind. I I feel like sometimes I overdo it. I feel like um, there was a stretch uh, for group four that was probably too tense. Like it was like, it was I, I've had, yeah, that whole like <laughs> like four or five episode stretch. I've had people tell me it's like I couldn't listen to that. Like it's too much like it's it, I can't like it was just episode after episode of them being trapped and helpless. I
1: mean, debatably, it's a little better now that it is at least past. So it can be listened. So you can just marathon it to stream through. But waiting month after yeah. month for the next Next group four episodes to come out with that happening. It's fucking tense, man.
2: It was rough, dude. I I, I was very proud of everybody on the cast because I, it's kind of a tough situation for them because it was a new group. These were new players mm-hmm. and they didn't know each other. And very quickly, I feel like I feel like there were people stepping up to be leader before Lockhart, and then you kind of see not to be rude, you kind of see you see that who's going to step up and be leader when the chips are down. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to, you know, call shotgun and say, I'm the leader, you know, that and and then when things get really bad, you know, you, you kind of see, you know, people like Sora, people like Elrath, people, you know, that people kind of step forward and, and mix it up.
1: Yeah. And just oh, man, it's just so interesting to just see how people, whether that is players and or characters, just react to the stressful situations that they get put in where you have this just fucking tense atmosphere where they're just are werewolves about they know that they're there the wolves know that they're where they are and it's just what do we do they're out there and if we go out they're probably just gonna kill us and just trying to see that resolution to see how the how the, all the people at the table react to that situation. Like, do they, you know, get tempered and stronger by the stress? Do they, you know, <laughs> game over, man?
2: Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what happens and you can't really do that in normal D&D combat. You can only really do that with, you know, the more role play angle and setup of things, which is, you know exactly a perfect demonstration of what i was talking about earlier with your talent at the melding of the two and of course you know your love of skill check challenges is definitely an opinion that i share just to help
2: do that kind of blending of story and rules stuff uh well i mean anything i can do to like anything i can do to try and speed things up or not not kind of drape a big blanket of of rules and combat and and red tape over a situation. I feel like um keeping people in that mentality of like, OK, you're sneaking through town. I need these roles, but you're still here. We didn't do the JRPG thing of like and now we're in combat <laughs> like we're still here. Don't don't go away like, you know, that I try to keep that locked in as long as possible. So that being said. I am a
1: numbers oriented person, as you know, very, very well. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I do want to actually talk a bit more about the actual Therian werewolf and what makes them what they are. So Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier on in the episode that part of the issue with the typical werewolf is the fact that they're still just a person in control of a bestial form. And you very much made the conscious choice to not do that so uh could you just talk
2: about the system that you set up for the shift uh so i going back to the hulk metaphor i guess i very much wanted um i very much love the idea of an affliction being a boon to roleplay. i don't like like if someone gets bitten by a werewolf or a vampire gets a disease or you know whatever a curse uh, like i don't want that to be the end of their character i want them to take that and fold it into who they are and let that be an experience and obviously um jasper playing merrick is a perfect example of that um he he got bitten pretty early on and then for years um all the way up to um arc two and three we we kind of rode with that and then i wanted to implement like a um like a stress system like we we had a system in place, and it was kind of relying on 5e, but it didn't feel quite right. Um, so essentially, you have what's called mental hit points. And as you deal with stressful situations or get hurt or anything, kind of think of it like a concentration for a spell, but it's your everyday life. Like you get stuck in traffic, you stub your toe, you know, just little things. And um, there are modifiers up and down, but basically you roll a d4, And then anytime you're in a stressful situation, you you shave whatever comes up off of your mental hit points. And until you have a chance to, you know, unwind, get a latte, yoga, whatever, like whatever you do to de-stress, you're going to keep accruing these. And eventually, in the course of a day, sometimes you just have one really bad day and you're going to lose control and then you become this giant visceral monster this beast that has this unlimited feral power but you have no control over it you might hurt enemies you might hurt friends you might just run off into the woods it it's it's not up to you anymore
1: and what makes it also that much you know better slash worse depending on perspective totally just diseases in theria in general or curses just all that type of stuff the fact that it's not just poof, cleric fixed it. The fact yeah, that it oh, no, is no, no. something that lingers and binds to a person. The fact that this is something that they are stuck with. If a person is bitten and survives, this is just shit that they have to deal with. That's life. Yeah, no, that's forever. And so, oh man. And again, that just the ferality of it, the lack of control, it gives so much just for a dm to play with to use the therian werewolf instead of the more lackluster traditional version but uh, a therian werewolf is just so much scarier even though mechanically speaking like the base level werewolves aren't that much different but Uh -uh. the fact that there are just little tweaks here and there that can make such an enormous difference to the feel of a monster and i feel that that actually also does you credit in terms of just monster building to know okay you know what's broke and what don't need fixing so yeah (laughs)
2: like
1: so to have this creature just be this blender of flesh to just be out there and for them to be a pack creature and also just for there to be the potential for a werewolf To get stuck that way, that's fucking terrifying because I'll be honest, like loss of self is, you know, one of my personal greatest fears, whether that is like memory erasure or just something like this, that that fucking horrifies me. Like, that's one thing that I fucking hate in Harry Potter. The existence of the Obliviate spell fucks with me. Mm.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels.
0: the the thing about werewolves is that th- you've really built up their mythology in the show, like above anything else. Th- when a player sees, when the listener hears about them, um, there's something to be feared instantly because of all the prior experiences that the listeners slash players have had with them. And I, I feel like you've re- done a really, really good job with that. There's,
2: I'll be honest. I like, okay, I screw things up just like anybody else. And I I think the difference is, um, like, when I screw up, it's for an audience. (laughs) So, like, I've I've done the Babe Ruth thing of coming out, and it's like (laughs) the home run, everybody, here it goes, and then you get your first big vampire who gets covered in a urine soaked carpet and beaten to death in the sunlight like it's like oh okay uh, well that wasn't exactly what i uh, wanted Edward. But, and that's it <laughs> you, you, all you could do is try and i feel like there are some times where i'm experimenting with something like i did with early werewolves there have been several iterations of them um but i was just making tweaks to to suit me um, and then there are these big moments on the show and they kind of speak for themselves. Like the lore happens on the show. The town definitely tried to communicate the danger involved, but that's happened several times on the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes a party will walk in and obliterate everything. They just have a really good night or, um, they're, they had the right combination of class and spells and all that good stuff. And it just worked out. And then sometimes you walk in and you get damn near a TPK which is the first time that it ever happened on our show and from there that legend kind of grows because i i think i think people forget largely about the group 2 encounter and they remember the group 4 encounter because they knew fully what they were walking into and it still went poorly
1: ah uh, man just the fact that there are just multiple werewolf encounters that have had so much go wrong uh just is part of what is just the mythology of the Therian werewolf actually is it tharian werewolf, well a lauren werewolf cuz i know they're also in the fire owls but i don't
2: know if there's any like differences between them uh, it's Therian werewolves like okay. i'm cuz i don't want to split hairs over it and stuff like that um cuz i've been asked if there are other were creatures and i'm very much of the mentality it's like no no we move on to the next bit like let's go like there's yeah, there's werewolves or in you know made by these people for this reason
1: it's just werewolves you're not going to have the were tiger and were bear and all that Where badger
2: and where but i mean like there's other <laughs> stuff that like i've wanted to do that like i hope people find just as interesting down the line and um it's all about giving people new mechanics to play with like the book as cool as it is to see our name on a book and everything like that most of the, the real fun is looking at the Facebook page and seeing people play with it and see hearing people tell stories. is like, that's fucking amazing. Like that's eight years ago. I could I could never have, have th- thought in my wildest dreams that would happen. Um, because again, I, I was making changes to suit me. Like I, it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Scrap it. And then sometimes uh, people click with that. Sometimes people call me an idiot. <laughs> so you never know. Mm
1: yeah thankfully i try to stay to the well actually angle of things more often than not (laughs) just like well
2: actually there is this little detail here uh and here's the thing i'm sure you're going to find stuff with math like something that and that's fine that's totally fine i'm not a mathematician i'm not the best i could do is make sure it fits the character and then tell everybody, it's like, hey, man, if you see something you'd like to change, go for it. Like change, whatever, change all the numbers, change, change it all. Now they're wear tigers. It's OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that I just honestly love about
1: D&D books in general. Yes, there is a fuck ton of amazing mechanics in just pretty much any D&D book, but absolutely in Adventurer's Guide to Theria, uh, Volume 1 LR. But, <laughs> but what a DM can and should do when you have just any d book in front of you is to just take inspiration to get ideas for mm-hmm. your own spin on things, because honestly, that's one of my favorite parts as a DM is to just make the world you're playing in your world. Like that is a huge just oh, it's just my favorite part in all honesty, just to see, uh, you know, making these things and then see how other people choose to interact with them. It's
2: man, just being a DM is fun. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to really hear from Nathan all that much. I what's your DM and philosophy?
0: Uh, so generally speaking, when I like run my games, it's uh very much on the seat of my pants. I, I just do things when in typically in reaction to what my players do most of the time. Uh, planning is not necessary mostly, <laughs> and so what. Typically what happens is that i I do plan i do plan for major moments, but most of the minor stuff, like the smaller stuff at the smaller level I typically uh at the whatever does come up
1: yeah, that's part of the fun of playing out with playing with you is just that you're a yes and kind of d m just like this happening so, okay, yeah, and, and then you can just build up, build up, and you can just have like you do just have your world lore. Written, and then you just have the interactions just go like okay, go, and we just poke things with the stick and see if it bites back, which usually does. <laughs> but we haven't even really actually used like any of those kind of mythological creatures in Riftwake yet, so I am curious, Nathan, just uh, are you going to? Just kind of make your own version of Werewolf should that come up someday? Are you going to use more the Therian angle of Werewolf?
0: Yeah, so my general opinion on more traditional mythical creatures would be that, well, I've, I've already had a couple mythical creatures, but they've been more specific to my world, such as the Troll God and like the White Wolf, both of which are basically me taking the idea that already exists and then slapping along a bunch of magic bullshit that makes it OP and powerful. So, like, my general concept of how I'm going to deal with more traditional ones are most likely a case of okay, I'm probably going to take a look at what the DMG offers and, like, no, like, the Monster Manual offers. What the fuck am I saying? Uh, and basically, I will look at truer stuff, typically, and it depends on what use case is it. Because if I'm trying to go and give the players that experience of um, awe and terror, I generally will extrapolate on these powers with um, appropriate additions in terms of abilities or um, adjustment of the uh, stats and such.
1: And speaking of the stats, that is one of the things that I really do appreciate, Jason, about the Therian werewolves. In the book, you have six different levels of werewolves for different, you know, powerful people Will turn into a stronger werewolf, which makes mm-hmm. sense. That's one thing that always kind of irks me about a, the more normal werewolf is that you turn into the werewolf. You don't yes. you have like it's not a template or anything that you know tweaks your abilities in some way. It is just you turn into this thing. It is this strong, and you just have bite and claws, and that, that's pretty much it. Some senses, some better senses, but fine. But in Theria, the fact that you're werewolves, even just the most basic level one werewolf is still really threatening to adventurers. And that's just singular. If you also then have the proper werewolf pack, not to mention, you know, if there isn't, you know, an alpha in the bunch of a stronger werewolf, then it just is this horrifyingly deadly encounter. And that's just with the basic wolf. So then, when you do scale up to the stronger levels, you actually did choose to have your werewolves become legendary creatures eventually, where they start getting those, you know, legendary actions to improve the action economy. because on the mechanics of d and d perspective, I rant a lot about the action <laughs> economy in the game. <laughs> and the fact that in fifth edition, especially, If you have just more actions, just more attacks per turn, that is a massive advantage because if you just, you can't really do a boss fight in typical 5 e D&D. So werewolves with their pack, with legendary actions, actually scale at all levels as a threat to whatever is up against them and that's really fucking hard to do cuz high level 5th edition isn't super well done. Like we actually did a whole episode on high level play in the past and we just did talk about how bosses are pretty much impossible. So werewolves and especially yours if like if you look at that level 6 werewolf and if you imagine that there's, you know, one or two of those with a couple of like level 3 or 4 werewolves as their pack, I would honestly give them decent odds even if you have like a high level party even if you have like hell you know let's even go the extreme let's say you have a group of level 20 adventurers somewhere in a world and you use Mm. therian werewolves as the template for your own a level 20 character can have something up to like 300 hit points it gets a little bit nuts at that point but
2: especially if you're rocking a barbarian or a fighter yeah. or something like that yeah yeah and not
1: to mention you know the barbarian does get you know hit point boost at that level too but anyway mm-hmm. so if you use something like the therian werewolf though it has multi-attack it has regeneration it will not die Unless you have a silver weapon, basically, that's one of the things that I honestly most appreciate is that kind of like the regeneration that a troll has. The Therian Werewolf does specifically have the text in its regeneration, Uh, but it was if the werewolf takes damage from a silvered weapon, this trait doesn't function at the start of its turn. The werewolf dies only if it starts its turn with zero hit points and doesn't regenerate. So people can reduce the werewolf to zero hit points as much as they want, but if they don't have a silvered weapon to stop that regeneration, it just comes back. And if you have this feral creature with multi-attack, with legendary actions, coming after a high level party, all it takes is for that party to just not have encountered them before or just not think of it at the time, to not have a silvered weapon, and... Even a high level party can be forced to run. While it's true that at that level, you know, they might have, you know, teleportation and ways to get away a little more easily. The point being, it can force them to
2: run. I mean, so at that point, right, when you're when you start, I I think anything past 10 uh, level 10, what I want to do is give um, give players and characters experiences. Because at that point, you have a lot of combat under your belt, uh, you know, a lot of experience, all that stuff, right? So you're walking, let's say you're a group of problem solvers. Like you're these high level, you know, like you're coming into the town, big dick swinging, right? It's like, man, these guys are amazing. And you're you're offered a whole bunch of gold to deal with this werewolf problem. And you sidle up and, you know, a a level six werewolf, uh, a couple of fours, something like that. Like they come out of the woodwork and they come at you. If you're not on your game, or just have a bad night, even if you can manage to down every werewolf there, the odds of someone not being bitten, or not losing a a team member at all, or not having some sort of crit because of all the advantage involved that could change the stakes, that party should be somewhat changed after the events. There should be something that they take. It shouldn't just be a combat that they walk into. We fought the monsters, we beat the monsters. we left there should be There should be a moment that's like, "Holy shit, we lived through that, or maybe they don't, or maybe they have to run, and they lost two people, or whatever it is. It should be an event. It should feel like you're living through a moment that you 're going to talk about later on that 's the goal anyway <laughs> and honestly, I think through multiple
1: werewolf encounters on the show, you have done that successfully, so right. in summary. Werewolves are an iconic creature that exists in Dungeons and Dragons, but while the normal version is somewhat lackluster, there are absolutely other options out there that you can use as inspiration to make their lore and feel to be a proper threat in your world. And I'd like to thank Jason for coming on with us today, and I do
2: believe that you have something to plug. Well, you may not know about it, but we wrote a book. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the Adventures Guide to Theria, Volume 1, Lara, is now on sale. You can get it uh, for 30 bucks on DriveThruRPG if you want a PDF version of it. And that may sound like a lot, but it is a big book, guys. Um, 396 pages. It's a lot. Uh, there's full-color maps and artwork and charts and tables galore if you're like me and you like a good chart or table ooh just sexy centerfolds of charts and tables you just oh there's foldouts oh they're gorgeous um uh wow, and seriously though that pantheon ooh it's yeah i i i'm really glad with how everything came out there's a lot of different art styles and stuff and um at our peak we had 40 artists working on it Jesus, it's a lot it's a, it, we had a big pool of artists and Oof. Well, that I'm sure kept Jamieson busy. It kept all of us busy. <laughs> trust yeah, me. Like, fair point, fair point. Poor guy was a middleman for a lot of it. And then there were just, it It was so much. But um, uh, it's also on sale on Amazon and all that. We're trying to get it into bookstores now. That's a long process. But um, yeah, man, it, it, I, I, I really hope you guys check it out. And uh, let us know what you think, most importantly, because... We plan, on, uh, we plan on making more books, and that feedback is always incredibly helpful. What did you like? What did you not like? All that stuff. Don't be afraid to hurt our feelings. Uh,
1: we and found start mistakes. And
2: shut up and take my money. <laughs> like, here's the thing it was a really hard pill to swallow when we were putting the final book together. And it's like, there's going to be mistakes in this, and there's just not a big enough team or enough time to make sure to get. I, I don't think the mistakes are as egregious as you think they would be with the tribute. No, like there's, there's, <laughs> I think the biggest one we found is like that layout gaff where there's just a little bit cut off for the beastry section. It's like, oh damn, like that's one where we all looked at each other. It's like, how'd that get by? But it's probably because we were all working 14 hour days. <laughs> just <laughs> we were fried. Um, but yeah, everyone's been super nice about letting us know. And um, we're just getting rid of them one by one. Cool. So um, uh, does... Not probably for sure, but just me curious: Is there going to be like a revised PDF sent out at some point? Eventually, um, one it it, it kind of hinges on us having the time to be able to redo it. But we're also mm-hmm. giving it enough time to catch most of the stuff. We're never going to get it hundred percent, but we want to get like All a right. nice one point one version out there where you know it's a stability patch. If yeah, what I'll probably happens.
1: poke you later about that because you know <laughs> hit me,
2: what he... dude. Hit <laughs> me. We have a we have a uh thing going on our discord and um we're probably gonna give it one more pass before we change that discord over to the new project. Wait what? We have uh a new book we're working on. Ooh. That
0: was fast. Yeah no it you keep swimming. You just Is keep it going. the system one
2: <laughs> it's the system one yeah.
0: Ooh Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tier stars low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we we'll chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash and now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com.
1: That's Riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for
4: listening. Bye!